Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Archery Unfiltered, where I, Wendell Souza, cover California archery events and what it takes to make you a better archer. Hey, how's everybody doing, you fuckos? How's the Archery Unfiltered family doing? I uh, hope you guys are well. I hope everyone shot the 900 good. Uh, I covered a lot leading up to that 900, so I hope someone out there got some kind of help from it. It sounds like, even with all that info, it really doesn't prepare people for the weather. Um, I guess you gotta, I guess, you know, weather's always going to kind of play into it. And I guess you just need a, a windless day to be sure. But, uh, I hope you guys scored well. Uh, a big congrats to my buddy and uh, shooting out a low die. He might've taken it this year in the men's freestyle. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I believe he shot an 892. Uh, I'll look it up right now. But Antero shot really strong. He beat most of the really good shooters uh, that weren't even in his. He shot an 894. Sorry, Antero. 894. So he only dropped six um, all day. I think he shot 42 X's as well. That is smoke that is lightning and i would put my money on it that that takes it this year pretty much six or under is gonna take it some years eight eight down takes it and on on low attendance years even 10 down will take it and this was a pretty decent attendance year so i would say it'd have to be better than eight and and tarot definitely came out and brought the heat (laughs) I think he uh, he really kicked some butt. Uh, he's shooting, uh, I believe he's shooting an OG Matthews uh, TRX 38 first gen. Uh, he shoots out a low die. If you guys ever see him, uh, he's always hanging around with this guy Zach Walker. They're two kind of tall dudes wearing low die jerseys. And Tara looks like uh, he's got kind of like a, a a short beard. Really nice looking guy. He's always smiling. Always shooting really good. Uh, He's he's kind of like a sleeper guy who does like a family thing, you know, takes care of his kids and his wife, and then he comes out and blasts down major big scores. I'm, I'm always terrified of Antero when it comes to uh, indoor season, and I think he might be doing the Coyote 600 shoot um, if he's not taking his family to uh, Disney on Ice. So hopefully... Hopefully Disney on Ice is that weekend, so we all have a an easier weekend. <laughs> uh, let's see. In other news, there is one more 900 shoot. If you guys want to shoot one, if you guys are terrified of indoor, there is still one more shoot for you, and it's for a good cause. It's the 12th annual Shoot for the Cure. It's a uh, benefit for uh, 
a breast cancer coalition. Uh, it's put on by Wilderness uh, and what do they call it? Golden State Joe Ad, which is just like uh, I, I'm not even going to say what I think it is because I'm probably wrong. But it's some kind of USAT affiliated thing. Um, it's a 900 round. So if you guys listened to the last couple episodes, you know by now what a 900 round is. Uh, it's at Discovery Park, which is normally where they hold their 1440 rounds. It's windy, but I don't know if that wind, if it's windy enough to screw up, a, you know, shooting at 60 yards. Um, it's, you know, it ultimately any little bit amount of wind can screw up anybody. But if I were going to put my money on it, I bet you guys would be okay shooting 60 yards there. Uh, in the past, this event, I think this is the event where people wear pink. They wear like tutus and all kinds of stuff like that. I've never done this event before. Uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not going to get all homophobic and say that I wouldn't wear a tutu. I won't. <laughs> but but it's a great idea. And if anyone out there has a sense of humor, they should definitely go out there and uh, check it out. So, this episode is going to be all about the indoor arrow, and I've talked, you know, at length about what I thought makes a good indoor arrow, and on this episode, I'm going to give you guys what other pros think a good indoor arrow is, and this is stuff that you guys can all find. This is all information that I've nerded out over for like the past four years, (laughs) right? So, I'll give you guys a little rundown. When I first started shooting indoor, uh, I shot a 27-12. was my first 27 diameter indoor arrow, right? Everyone's like, oh, they're cheater arrows. It's like they're really not cheater arrows. They're big diameter. And if you don't put a middle, they have a tendency to go way the fuck out. (laughs) They're almost harder to shoot than a field arrow, unless you've tuned it properly. So... Uh, my first 2712s, I, I think I, my first target bow was like a Hoyt Podium. Or my first serious target bow was a Hoyt Podium. Or maybe it was a Hoyt uh, Pro Elite. And I shot these 2712s with 300 grain points. And they were cut to 26 inches. And they flew like garbage. <laughs> I was so turned off. To shoot in 27s. I struggled to shoot with those. Granted, and I was also at the very beginning of shooting archery indoors. So it was like, not only did I not have an arrow that was fun to shoot, but I was I was already just struggling with the indoor concept altogether. So that was my first mistake. Uh, I built an arrow <clears throat> going off of a mix of what I had heard was a good idea, i.e. the 300 grain point. And then other people's ideas, uh, like the Tim Gillingham cut the arrow to your blade type deal. Uh, and so I'm mixing all these, you know, ideas, not realizing they're for, you know, various arrow setups or they're the way these people set up their arrows. And uh, Tim Gillingham is like a, like a 30, I don't know, 38 inch draw length. So... For him, cutting the arrow to the blade is still almost a full-length arrow. That 
and uh, he shoots a triple X arrow. He doesn't shoot a twenty-seven twelve. So, anyway, uh, I'll get into all kinds of stuff, and I'll tell you guys my favorite builds out of the gate. First person that told me a decent arrow build was, uh, you know, my sensei Emerson, and he was saying, you know, thirty-inch arrow shaft, two hundred grain point, and feathers. He's like, that'll get you there. That's what he runs. Um, I think he's dabbled in veins here and there, but it, it was almost always he was like a, a feather enthusiast at the time. And so I kind of, you know, took the good information he gave me and I built uh, a PS26 uh, with a 400 spine and 200 grain point 30 inch arrow. <clears throat> the way that thing was set up, it should have spined out good for the bow that, like it would be a large diameter arrow that spines out optimal for me. And I put feathers on it. That was the best at the time, the best shooting arrow. And I built some for friends. Like I had a couple other friends try them that had like a similar, you know, arrow, field arrow spine and they loved them too. It was like the most forgiving I called them Google arrows because every time I break 10, they would correct to X's. They were such great arrows. And keep in mind, at the time, I was just coming up into shooting a 300. It was, you know, I had not yet shot a 300. It was like 299s, maybe a 300. I know after I had those arrows, I shot a 300. So maybe that's why I love those arrows so much because it reminds me of a a time where I got, you know, that little leap forward. Um, I then switched because a friend, you know, I started, so I took those arrows, shoot a ton. I shot a ton with them, started hitting more 300s. Then my friend let me use, uh, black Eagle Magnums, 350 spine, uh, 30 inches, 220 grain points. Um, and they had clear no I stripped them off and I just put AAE veins the stealth pros those shot great and I, I don't know if it was me shooting better that didn't need you know didn't need it to spine out perfectly or what have you but anyway it, it those flew great and I ended up shooting um, those are the arrows I shot an 899 in Vegas with and I had only switched like weeks before. It, it was it was so weird because the twenty sixes shot so good for me. With those twenty sixes, I shot four fifty. Uh, I shot four fifties for the state indoor. So I cleaned the state indoor. I've done that twice. State indoor, I've shot four fifty two times. One time with the um, PS twenty six. The second time I did it was with a twenty seven twelve at 31 I think 31 inches 225 green point the AAE um, hybrid veins the foreign like the longer ones is what I used so enough about me you're at you're like okay I've heard your shit tell me what the pros are shooting well George Riles he has I'm going to tell you guys both 23s and 27s right because if you're going to shoot any USAT stuff you got to shoot a 23 diameter arrow if you're going to shoot Vegas or 
you know, any indoor tournament that's held by a shop, I'm pretty sure they'll let you do a 27 unless it's specified. So George Riles, we're going to start with 23s. George Riles says he has the formula for the 23-12. And what he says, he claims his arrow shoots, quote, nickels, which, you know, I guess that, that X ring is about the size of a nickel. I don't know. So he says, 23-12, 31-inch shaft, 31, 100-grain point, tall broadhead vein like a max stealth. And he said, you know, his students, like uh, there used to be this kid named Blaze Ruffing who, you know, if you look at older Vegas videos, Blaze Ruffing is this kid that makes it to the shoot-off. In the junior division, not in like the not the adult pro championship, or whatever. It's like the youth championship division, and he does it with twenty threes. Pretty impressive, if you ask me. Uh, he makes it with twenty threes, and I would guess that they are built in this style because you know he's a, a hornet. Hornets George Riles little academy or whatever. Um. Interesting. 100 grain points. Ruffing also shoots a his 23s with a uh, Max Hunter vein. At least he did at one point. I don't know. I don't even think he shoots anymore. I think he looks like a fish. He's got like a fishing boat now or something. Um, but, bam. There's a build for you right there. 31 inch, 2312, 100 grain point, uh, Max Hunter vein or Stealth Pro vein. Keep in mind... Blaze Ruffing was a kid. He's a youth when he shot this, so probably 27, 28 inch draw length, maybe 50 to 60 pounds. I don't know. I don't know what those kids were shooting as far as poundage goes. Um, I can tell you the best 23 build I've shot. I'll start by telling you the not best, but good. I shot a. Uh, 27 inch 2312 no it's 2311 cut to 27 inches with a 200 grain point so you guys know I have a 26 inch 26 and a half inch draw length so my spine I'm going to spine out my arrows more like a woman would I have like 500 spine arrows 400 spine arrows uh, so it'll be 500 spine <laughs> so you know do what you will with this info you could go to, if you wanted to build that arrow that I'm talking about, the 27-inch arrow with a 200-grain point, um, for, to, for it to spine out to you, you could get a 2314 or a 2315, depending on what your draw length is or what poundage you're shooting. I thought those arrows were the bomb, the 2312 200-grain point. Until, for some reason, they weren't. Like, they hit middle way more than... My 27s did at the time. But when I switched to the PS26s, it was like night and day. 26s beat these 23s. Uh, so I did not like dabbling in 23s very much because I hadn't gotten them to shoot very well. And then I shot Rudy Sandoval's arrows. He had 23 14s uh, cut to 28 or 29 inches. 180 grain point and uh, FFP, you know, what, 360 veins, what have you. I know, it was just some longer FFP vein. <clears throat> what was freaking cool about these was they are, 
spine was out the window. Didn't even matter. Twenty three fourteen was going to spine out too stiff for me. No, no matter how you slice it. They shot fucking great. They were the, at one point they were some of the best arrows I've ever shot, and I shot. I did super damage at like the Sacramento Indoor Nationals shooting these. I can't remember what I shot. But I remember for a little while, I, I think I ranked like 20-something, 21st, 22nd, after they compiled all the scores. Like, that's pretty decent. Uh, that might be bullshit. I'll have to look it up and verify. But I was very proud of myself when I shot those scores with those arrows. Um, I won a couple indoor tournaments against guys shooting 27s, shooting these the Rudy Sandoval 2314. It was the best indoor arrow I I think I had shot maybe ever. Um, It was a good arrow. What else? Let's see. Rudy also has built another arrow that I went nuts over, which was a Super Drive 23 with a 120 grain point cut real short. There was nothing about it that I was going to like. I like when I shot, when I originally, when he handed me these arrows, I was like, this goes against everything that I think about for indoor arrows, but they shot tacks. They were like, they were nails just flying out. Granted, I was shooting a Hoyt at the time that I shot a, uh, I think I shot like a 28 X 300. The first time I shot those arrows, amazing arrows. Um, but for some reason I had never gone back to him. I, I always want to, and I might, I might build some super drive 23s again just to try those again. Cause very rarely do you grab a brand new set of arrows and shoot a 300 with it, you know, sight in and shoot a 300. Those arrows shot really well and I still have them. They're in my basement so I can pull them apart and, you know, measure them out. And then order components. I'm just kind of broke right now. I've been, I've been burning money on all kinds of. When, when indoor season rolls around, I love to tinker with stuff, and I'll explain my current arrow build at the very end. <clears throat> so the George Riles recipe. Remember, if you want to shoot nickels, 31 inch shaft, 100 grain point, tall broadhead vein. Just so you guys know, a tall broadhead vein pretty much is standard on all these arrows. Except when it comes to this next guy, which is Rio Wild. Rio Wild, his twenty-seven twelve recipe is a little different. He shoots his at a very specific thirty-one and an eighth. Now th- this was a couple years ago, and this goes for all these people. This is all old info. Most people, when they find an indoor recipe that they like, they stick to it. Most people, um, not everybody. So Rio Wild, at his seminar, he talked about shooting his 2712s at 31 and an eighth inches. I don't know how he came up with an eighth, but that was his jam. 250 grain point, low profile FFP. So he uses a flex fletch vein that looks like a... It doesn't look like a half of a teardrop it looks like half of the moon setting over the horizon if that makes sense it's like symmetrical on both sides really weird looking uh vein and he uses uh he uses those uh 
I don't know if he runs helical on him. He probably does. I never understood those veins. I know a couple people to have used them. And Rio shoots lights out, so, you know, who knows? I know with broadheads, there's a guy named Ash Ashmore, Ashby, I think it's Ashmore. And he was saying the heavier, the bigger the FOC is on an arrow. Now, this is for hunting, but maybe it applies here. But he was saying the bigger the FOC is on, the, on an arrow, the less work your veins or smaller vein you can get away with smaller veins basically i don't know if that's true when it comes to an indoor arrow most things don't apply like you don't have to have a perfect spine for an indoor arrow and some people say you don't for outdoor either but let's just assume you know we're i shoot a 500 spine arrow i'm not shooting a 300 for a reason anyway if that is true heavier foc means less vein I, I kind of believe it, and I'll tell you guys why later, but it has something to do with the heavier point resists horizontal planing. Because you know when you shoot your arrow, right? Your arrow bends when it's first coming out of the bow. It kind of bends and does like this oscillating wiggle as it works its way down to the target. It bends at these two points on your arrow called nodes. A couple inches behind your point, a couple inches in front of your knock, right? And the arrow bends whoop, bloop, bloop, back and forth between these nodes. The heavy point is supposed to resist that front part of that arrow going, you know, left and right. Maybe it helps it correct faster. In my mind, a lighter point and a stiffer arrow would would make that, you know, horizontal oscillation disappear faster. But I don't know. I don't know. It's just what I've heard. Heavier point resists that horizontal oscillating. Is it true? I don't know. Best way to tell is to shoot an arrow with a high-speed camera. I don't have access to that. I'm just a regular dude. I build speakers for a living. So maybe one of you guys out there can tell me. Chris Perkins now. He shoots a 250 grain point on his 2712, his Easton 2712. He shoots his arrows at 30 to 31 inches. Not sure exactly which. Somewhere in between. And he shoots an FFP 360 vein. Uh, pretty standard. I think Mike Schlosser shoots a similar arrow. I think Schlosser shoots his at full length. I'm not sure. If you guys have ever shot 2712s at full length, it's interesting. They fly pretty decent. <clears throat> Um, let's see. So that's the Chris Perkins arrow is very similar to Real Wilds, different veins, pretty much. And he's a little his arrow is just a little bit shorter, still thirty inches, or out there. Okay. The next arrow, Jesse Broadwater's twenty-seven twelve formula, is one that I've completely used. I, you know, they say what one arrow works for one guy might not work for someone else. Well, my draw length is so different from Jesse Broadwater's. His arrow should not work for me. But I cloned his arrow, and it shot freaking great. I shot it in Vegas. I shot a 450 with it for the state championship. This is what it is. 31 and a quarter. 
with a 225 grain point. It's much lighter than most people's. Or most of these pros that shoot a 250 or 300 grain point, Jesse Broadwater shoots a 225. And that 225 grain point, something about it is just, it's just heavy enough, but you still have a fast arrow. And that arrow is super forgiving. 31 and a quarter. I don't know how he came up with that. His draw length's longer than mine, so it's going to be different for his reasons. A cool video. There is a video out there on Facebook of Braden Galantine bear shaft tuning 23 diameter arrows. <clears throat> and they never go into what he's doing or why. But he's showing, he shoots a fletch shaft, and he shoots his bear shaft, and then he goes... I got to cut a little bit of that bear shaft. So then he takes both arrows back and he cuts them. He doesn't say how much he cuts them, but then he goes and he shoots them and it's like, bam, dead center. You never go into why, but it's one of the things that I think is interesting about the aluminum arrow is that if you start with a full length aluminum arrow, you can heat your point. <laughs> pull it out, cut the arrow, glue your hot melt your point back in, shoot it. You know, whether or not you like it, heat your arrow, pull the point out, cut it, you know, glue it back in. You could do that indefinitely until you run out of arrow, essentially. Um, it's one of the strengths of the aluminum arrows that you can, quote, tune them. You can fuck around with them all day long. You can strip veins off of them and not worrying about stripping a sliver of carbon off of, which I've done to all my carbon arrows at least once. Um, yeah, so there's something to it. Uh, I've also shot full-length 2712s with 225-grade points, and those shot freaking great. They looked silly when they hit the target because they wobbled around and were like, boing, but, you know, regardless, great arrows. Um, next up is the Dave Cousins. We're getting into carbon arrows now. Dave Cousins arrow. Back when he shot tanks, I think he shoots Easton's now, and I'm pretty sure he shot 2712s. Um, but I bet you his arrow build is something similar to his tank 27. And he cuts that arrow to 29 inches. So guessing, if you assume Dave Cousins has a pretty long draw length, that's probably pretty close to his blade that he's cutting it to. Uh, he has gone so far as to talk about what type of, the way he fletches his veins. He will shoot an arrow and see which directions it spins. But he uses a straight clamp with a very slight offset on his veins. He doesn't go hard helical. And I would imagine that has something to do with... Um, blade con he's probably trying to minimize blade to vein contact and he's one of the few people that has talked about pushing the vein forward enough so that it's off of your face pretty cool you know i i kind of feel silly when i talk about it i've heard dan mccarthy say the exact opposite like push your vein all the way back because the vein gets more leverage to spin the arrow when it's further back and you see, you know, Jesse Broadwater's indoor arrows, those veins are as far back as they can go. He must be extremely mindful about face pressure. D Dave Cousins says any face pressure on your veins is going to be 
trouble downrange. So he pushes his veins forward. Uh, when he shot tank 27s, I saw him running four fletch. I don't know if he still does because I've seen, you know, recent photos of Dave Cousins. He's shooting his Hamskia arrow rest as just a blade. He's usually not hooking it up for drop away stuff. Cousins is also shooting a 295 grain point. Enter the 300 grain point. Um, he's not the only guy to shoot a 300 grain point. I have also shot a 30 inch 2712 with a 325 grain point, and they shot great. They shot amazing. That thing that Dave Cousins talks about, where you shoot the bear shaft, watch it rotate, fletch in that direction, I firmly believe in that. Um, next up is Kyle Douglas. I'm sure you guys have all heard about Kyle Douglas's arrows. Very basic, Emerson-like built, 30-inch arrow, 200-grain point, four-fletch, hard helical, because he shoots a drop away, so he can do that. That's it. There's something to that. Um, so let's see. I talked about my starter arrow being the PS26. And I'll I'll kind of let you guys into what I'm shooting now. So I wanted to rebuild the Rudy Sandoval 23 arrow. But I wanted to build it my own. Like kind of make it my own. So what I did was 2312s. 30 inches um, and not 2314s, which is what his are, 2314s. I went 2312s in hopes that the spine would kind of be closer to, a, you know, what what I would be shooting, even though Rudy's arrow shot great for me and would be overly spine, or what they call overly stiff. I think for indoors, that stuff gets kind of blown out of whack when it comes to importance. I'm pretty sure if your bow is tuned, even if it's pulling a hard left tear, it probably shoots... You can you can probably pound middle if you just practice. I think you got a paper tune as, you know, as far as I, I'm concerned, but I have to ask Austin Watts what he... Uh, what kind of paper tear he gets with his indoor arrows. Anyway, 2312s is what I got. 180 grain points... I believe, in these bad boys uh, with the FFP 360s and Super Nox. That is the go-to arrow. My plan, my theory is that I can make them better by making them four-fletch with Q2Y veins. <clears throat> I am on a four-fletch kick right now. And I have been in the past. Uh, when I was dabbling with the PS26s and Feathers, I dabbled in four fletch and loved them uh right now i did some experiments with super drive 27s and what i did was i started out with a bunch of super drive 27s and i thought let's see what point weight suits my draw length best so bear shaft right i numbered each arrow um I built them all with, I think it was 150 grain point, and shot each arrow into a target, and that target had the same number as the arrow. So number one arrow would always go to number one target, number two to number two, and so on and so forth. So 
I built, uh, you know, arrow number one had uh, 150 gram points. Arrow number two had 170 gram points. Arrow number three had, I think, uh, 200. I can't remember what the increments went, but it was like basically 150 all the way up to 300. <clears throat> and I didn't adjust my sight. Okay. I was just looking for the groups. I was going to shoot at each of these targets and then just measure the groups and which group was best. And pretty much everything outside of 250 or every, anything 150 to 250 was the groups were the same. I did not notice any noticeable difference in group size. So I was like, shit, I guess I'll just pick what's in the middle, right? So 200 gram point, And then I started fiddling around with veins. And this is where things get dicey, especially on carbon arrows, because you start stripping them off and re-gluing new ones on. And if anyone's ever <clears throat> tried to strip Q2Ys off an arrow, it's crazy. The The foot on a Q2Y vein is is insane. When you bond that to carbon, you might as well just leave it. <laughs> Not Wendell, though. Wendell's going to go ahead and cut it off and glue another one on and cut it off and eventually cut that arrow in half. So I started with the 360 FFP vein. They are pretty much the standard as far as a good vein goes. And I started with three. Three Fletch, left helical. I then went to AAE Stealth Pros because I had good luck with those in Vegas. Left helical. Uh, not much of an improvement between those two. Oh, I should preface, or I should clarify. I did the same test. All right, arrow one's going to arrow one, arrow two's going to arrow two, three, so on and so forth, but now with different veins. And, uh, you know, target three had Q2Ys. Three inch veins. I did not go so far as to put big four inch veins on these arrows yet. Um, I don't know if I'm doing myself a disservice or not, but everything that I've heard in this last year kind of says that the vein height is almost more important than the length. And I would guess it has something to do with leverage, you know, like, uh, if you're going to try to tip something over, if it's taller and you're pushing from the very top, it's easier to tip over. You're trying to tip your arrow over. You're trying to spin your arrow, right? So it makes sense that a taller vein would help it turn more. And I understand why a longer one would because you start that process further down the, the arrow shaft. But you're only talking like a couple inches, so... Maybe we're splitting hairs, but it seems like a taller vein gets you there. The Q2Is are pretty goddamn tall, and they won this this vein test that I did. And then I thought, oh man, maybe there's a smooth in-between. Maybe I should run this test again with 4-Fletch. So I did 4-Fletch FFP360s, 4-Fletch AAE Stealth Pros, and then I did four fletch Q2Ys. <clears throat> I also did four fletch feathers, and I did four fletch uh, tack veins. Yeah, tack veins for some reason aren't working out all that well for me. But the Q2Is 
in both tests, the groups were tighter. So now I am running SuperDrive 27s, 30 inches, 200 in grain point, Q2I, three and a half inch vein, four fletch left helical. That's my whole build right there. Bam. Um, They are shooting great. I would like to try the Rudy Sandoval 2312 arrow with... uh, this four-fledged Q2I. So, I'm thinking the f- the the veins, if what that guy, that broadhead shooter was saying, this Ashmore guy was saying, is true. If uh, more point weight equals less need for the vein, then more vein, you could get away with less point weight, right? I don't know. I'm guessing seems to be where it it seems to be what that George Riles formula is big tall vein small point weight anyway I'm going to test it on my 2312s I will let you guys know how that goes coming up uh you guys should know the coyote 600 is coming and uh I'm going to be there I'm going to be talking a ton of trash to everybody. So you guys should come and shut me up. Come kick my butt and you know, tell everyone I beat that guy. He ain't nothing anymore. Bring it. That's what I want. I want people to come and bring it. It's going to be fun. 300 round plus a five spot round. I've only shot the Cincinnati, the Cincinnati five spot, the blue and white five spot one time. I am not good at it. Uh, I'm feeling very confident about this one coming up. Uh, I practice. Okay. So here's the other thing. I just divulged my, what I think I know about indoor arrows to you guys, right? What about indoor practice? The way I practice <clears throat> for indoor is with a Vegas five spot. It pretty much covers your bases as far as if you have to shoot a five spot. I think this is the same face that was used for the Rushmore Rumble. It's basically just five Vegas faces on a square. It's uh, it's perfect. It's not the only face I use. The other target that I practice with is the USA Archery Super 10, which is the vertical three spot with a baby 10 ring. I have yet to crack those deep, like get deep into my supply this season because I kind of... I kind of feeling like I need to make up reps. So I practice with this five spot because you're shooting five arrows every end. You can get more arrows in in less time. I'll put two of these targets up and try to get a whole game in before work. So if if you can do the math there, I'm shooting 10 arrow ends. In three ends, I've shot a 300, basically. You can cram more arrows in in less time because you're not walking back and forth so much. I mean, we're splitting hairs as far as time goes, but that's what I I, want to get as many arrows in as possible. I've also noticed that when I go shoot uh, a Vegas, I went and shot a Vegas round with my buddy Rudy, uh, and I think I shot a 24X300 with him or 25X. I noticed that I'm just shooting three arrows there and then scoring. 
I don't have time. My brain doesn't have time to stop and think about what I'm doing because I'm so used to shooting five. You know, it's like I, I'll shoot three and then before I know it, we're going down to pull and my brain is still catching up like, hey, what about those other two arrows? It's like, oh, we're not doing that right now. There's something to that because when I'm shooting with uh, the five spot target, a handful of ends in, I will start thinking about what I'm doing. And this kind of goes to my the last podcast I did about the Joel Turner shot process is when you start thinking about what you're doing, you start introducing all these weird variables into your shot process. Your 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 body starts trying to be more efficient and your body and subconscious are doing these shortcuts to get your release to go. And uh really you start thinking about like, oh man, what's how you know, first thing I always think is, oh man, my release hand's getting tense. I'm starting to shoot with more tension. So I got to tell my, I'll start telling my hand to relax. Well, that in turn makes me, you know, hold the peg differently, release the peg differently. When really you want to just start the same thing every single time. The Joel Turner thing is really cool because he talks about being comfortable with your release kind of like rotating as you pull. And it makes me think that if you always start cold on your release, that's like deep in the thumb peg. And then you you know say your mantra or whatever as you let that shot rotate. If you do that every single time and at no point do you start a shot faster in that rotation, you'll never have to worry about this thing happening where you start doing the subconscious fast forward, this, this subconscious shortcut to get that release to go. And I know it's easier said than done. Um, and I've slacked so hard with my practice this week that I can't tell you exactly if it's working for me. I'm going to practice tomorrow. I'm going to practice hard tomorrow. So I'll let you guys know next week, you know, how it's going and, I hope you guys are getting some practice in. I hope everyone switched over to indoor. Uh, Steve Anderson did a really charming um, Instagram post where he said he didn't want to see anything about indoor until October 1st. <laughs> Automatically. <laughs> Broadwater and Rudy Sandoval both put up stuff that are like, eh, sorry. <laughs> and Myself included. I'm I'm always game for indoor. It's one of my favorite things about archery is indoor season. And uh, it's because you're shooting in a vacuum. There's no real hogwash going on here. There's no, You can't blame anything on the wind. You can't blame anything on your partner. Or you really can't blame anything on anyone. It's just you out there shooting. And it's only 20 yards. You just got to do it forever. Perfectly. I mean... Isn't that, think about that. If you can master that, you can master anything. It's one reason why I really love indoor. It makes you a better shooter. And if you don't believe me, look at Kyle Douglas. This guy wins Vegas, and then he starts winning everything. And I know a bunch of people are going to be like, that's not true. Kyle Douglas has actually always been winning for a long time. We just never heard of him. Yeah. He's winning a lot now, though. I think being a good indoor shooter has made Kyle Douglas a ridiculously either confident or dangerous uh, 3D shooter. So, anyway. <clears throat> I hope uh, I hope this podcast is 
tickling some ears. I hope it's giving you guys some good info. Uh, I've changed my microphone setup a little bit so you guys get a little better quality. Now you can actually hear what my voice sounds like. It's uh, it's late though, so I usually don't sound this stoned. Or do I? But anyway, thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, this podcast is always sponsored by DB Custom Coatings, Darren and Bet, uh, Crevea. They Cerakote bows. They make them look cool. They also Cerakote bikes, guns, what have you. They'll Cerakote anything. They'll Cerakote your cup if you want them to. All right. Darren's got this ability to Cerakote stuff with, like, micron precision. So much so that, like, he he does Cerakoting for, like, big secret companies that need micron precision. If you want that on your bow, I would implore you to. I have my, uh, I have a project bow, an Elite, that I got Cerakoted from Darren, and it looks phenomenal. Um, I don't know when I'm going to bust it out and shoot it. Because I am sponsored by West Coast Archery. So I shoot a Matthews bow. Uh, and that Matthews bow is singing right now. It is a fine-tuned... It is a streamlined butterfly. So, <clears throat> what else? Sponsored by Carbon Craft Stabilizers. Adam Ross's custom stabilizer. Uh, you know, he was telling me there's a new, a new something in the pipeline... But I don't know. I don't know if that's really coming or not. I can't tell you guys for sure. Uh, I can tell you if you want a stabilizer or a set, you can go to Brian Webb at Impact Archery, or you can go to my people at West Coast Archery in Petaluma. And you could be like, hey, Rudy, give me a fucking stabilizer bar now. And he will happily order you a pair. Um, and that's it, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. It's a uh, it's a shorter podcast than usual, but uh, you know maybe it's better this way. You guys don't gotta listen to me for well over an hour. Uh, be nice to your waiters and uh, watch out for Bill Cosby. See you guys. <laughs>